Uh, this morning, I want to speak to you about true happiness. The desire for happiness is planted in the soil of every human heart. Just as a runner longs for the bottle of water at the end of the marathon, and just as a prisoner yearns for freedom after a long sentence, all of us naturally long for happiness. We long to be happy. The tragedy of life, of course, is that all roads people take to find happiness are dead ends. There is no better proof of that than the life of Madame de Pompadour. Madame de Pompadour was a friend and favorite of King Louis XV in 18th century France. She had everything she wanted. But later on in her life, as she reflected on her life, she said this, what a situation the great find themselves in. We only live in the future and are only happy in hope. There is no peace in ambition. I am always gloomy and often so unreasonable. The kindness of the king, the honor of my courtiers, the loyalty of my many friends, all of these things are supposed to make me happy, but they don't. I have lost any desire for all that once pleased me. I furnished my house in Paris in magnificent splendor, but it pleased me only for two days. My residence at Bellevue is charming to everyone, except to me. I cannot endure it. People tell me all the news and adventures of Paris. They think I am listening, but when they are finished, I ask them what they have just said. In a word, I do not live. I am dead before my time. My life is a perpetual death. Madame de Pompadour enjoyed great influence, power and riches and all kinds of human pleasure. But in the end, it did not bring her true happiness. You see, all man-made vehicles can never ultimately take us to Happiness Street because all the things in the world ultimately have their limits. Let me just right away be blunt and say, if you are living for sex, there will come a time when it will simply not be enough. The strength of youth will fail you. If you are living for fashion, there will be a time when you simply won't be able to wear all those shoes and jackets you have accumulated. If you are living for some talent or gift God has given you, at some point it won't be there. There will come a time when you feel useless without it. That sweet relationship which you are clinging on above all else will one day come to an end. Death will knock on your dress and cut it off. You see, depending on this world to make us happy is, is nothing more than building a house on sand. It is leaning your entire weight on a piece of paper. The things of this world cannot make us happy because the things of this world do not last. That's the first reason. The other reason the things of this world cannot satisfy us is that we know deep down in our hearts we are not just a pile of DNA. 
You are a spiritual being. Each, every single person sat here this morning has a soul inside of them. And trying to satisfy this spiritual part of you, this soul, with fame, riches, power, human pleasure, talents, and all kinds of things, is fruitless. It is like pouring water into a sieve. It is like feeding a dog sand every day and hoping the dog will become fruitful, will be satisfied. It is killing yourself really to do that. We can only be truly happy, you see, when our spiritual longings are satisfied. And there's only one person who can truly satisfy that spiritual part of you, that spiritual hunger that you have, and that is God the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, God himself by his Spirit. And we find this truth throughout the entire Bible, and we find it especially in Psalm 128, which we're looking at this morning. This is, by the way, another wisdom psalm, uh, just like Psalm 127. Uh, we don't know who wrote this. We know Psalm 127 was written by Solomon. We don't know who wrote this particular psalm, but it forms part of the Psalms of Ascent that we're looking at. And as a wisdom psalm, it gives practical instructions on how to live, and this particular psalm is focused on having a happy life. How to live a happy life. The psalm is divided in two parts. Uh, verse 1 to 2 um, teaches us how we can be truly happy in life. That's what verse 1 and 2 is focused on. Verse 3 to verse 6 applies this truth to the human family as well as, of course, to God's people, the church. So look at that. Next week. This morning, we're looking at verse 1 to 2, and next week we'll look at that application, verse 3 to verse 6. And as we look at this passage, verse 1 to 2, uh, it is actually just teaching us one single truth. And the truth it's teaching us is this. It's saying true happiness is devotion to God. What is a truly happy life? Well, a true happy life is a life devoted to God. True happiness is devotion to God. Look with me there at verse 1. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. You know, the first word there, blessed, means what? Supremely happy, literally. It's the same word we find in Psalm 1. It means supremely happy. And by the way, the Bible is telling us something amazing, isn't it? It's telling us, actually, that it is possible to be genuinely happy in life. Whatever you're going through, it is possible to be genuinely happy in life. There is a road that leads to true happiness. And this probably, of course, surprises some of us, doesn't it? Is it really possible to have happiness in this world of suffering? Did Jesus not say, in this world you will have trouble? Doesn't the Bible say, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God? The answer is yes. And that means that when the Bible says here we can be supremely happy, it is not saying that true happiness is freedom from suffering. Happiness and suffering go together. 
biblically. You see, all human life is defiled by sin. Since sin entered the world, evil has now infected everything. Pain, sorrow, sickness, and death is part of life. So when the Bible is talking about having happiness, it is not talking about perfect happiness without sin, we might say. That will only be true for us in heaven, or it will only be true for us in the new heavens and the new earth. It is not talking about smiling and laughing all day, all the time. No, in this fallen world, there will be seasons of tears. The happiness which looks just to be smiling all day is not true happiness. The happiness that just wants to be rich and accumulate lots of money, that's not true happiness. The happiness that just looks to indulge our sensual pleasures all the time, that's not true happiness. True happiness is having your deepest desires met. Your spiritual longings met, satisfied by God. That's what true happiness is. The deepest part of you is your soul. And true happiness is having your soul nourished, flourished by God himself. And that's what the Bible is telling us in verse 1, isn't it? It's saying the truly happy person is a person who is devoted to God and is flourished by God. Look at verse 1 again. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? What is it? The fear of the Lord is defined for us in in the rest of verse 1. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. It's wonderful, isn't it, when we let the Bible interpret itself. It tells us what we're supposed to have, and it tells us what it means. The God-fearing person is a person who honors and reveals God to such a degree that their lives have been changed. The way they think and the way they live before God has been transformed by God. It is not merely that they reveal God or honor God, But that very reverence and honor of God has transformed how they live. They walk in his ways. God is their only true and blessed king. They are king of ages. They are immortal, invisible, only God. He is forever. They are king of kings and lord of lords. The Bible is saying this is true happiness. The genuinely happy person is a person who has a full-hearted devotion to the one true God of the Bible. We are living in a world, you see, where we are constantly taught that to be happy, we must focus on us, on our needs. We must be true to ourselves. We must bend in on ourselves. We must try to take care of us. But the Bible is teaching us here that happiness is not found in focusing on you and your needs. It is not found inside. It is found outside. It's found by you being devoted to someone independent of you. It is found by being devoted to God and nourished by God himself. 
That's what verse 2 is getting at, isn't it? Look at verse 2. Here's a promise for a person devoted to God. You shall be flourished by God. Because verse 2 says, You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed. That again means happy. Right? You shall be happy. And it shall be well with you. You see, when God created our first parents, Adam and Eve, He placed them in the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, God satisfied their every need. They had all their physical, emotional, and relational needs provided for. And they also walked with God. Their souls, therefore, were spiritually nourished by Him. But as I was teaching the children, and Baravita taught them two weeks ago, and I taught them last week in Sunday school, humanity turned their backs on God. Adam and Eve thought they could improve on their happiness by living for themselves. But as we read in Genesis 3, their souls, if you like, their sin only brought ruin to their souls. Because we read in Genesis that one of the punishments or curses from God for our rebellion against Him is that everything in life has become hard. You can turn to Genesis 3 for a moment. Um, and read for yourself Genesis 3, verse 17 to 19, the first book. In the Bible, it says this. And to Adam he said, that is God, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it in all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, till you die. For out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. At the case, the punishment God gave Adam and the rest of his descendants is that we will now live in a world where we are never truly satisfied. Where looking after ourselves is hard. It's not just working. (laughs) Going to work is hard. No. The curse in Genesis is that everything, in fact, even worship of God becomes hard. Any work in a fallen world. But as we flip over in Psalm 128, verse 2, did you notice in verse 2 they are right in front of you? God is promising to reverse the curse. God is promising that if we are devoted to him, we can have a happy life because God will lift the curse and flourish and help us to flourish with him. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and you shall be well with you. In other words, God is promising that he will walk with us again as he did in the Garden of Eden. He will satisfy us. It will again be our source of happiness. Our rest will be found in him alone. You see, we will no longer be sheep that is running away to feed ourselves in empty pastures. We will be a faithful sheep cared for by the good shepherd. Now, when you think about that as happiness, being devoted to God, or wholly devoted to God, and God himself nourishing you, 
you immediately realize there's a big, big problem here. What is the big problem? The big problem is that if that's what happiness is, then it rules all of us out. Because none of us can be truly devoted to God in the way we read in Psalm 1 and 2. None of us have truly feared God. None of us have truly walked in all his ways. And if verse 1 cannot be satisfied, verse 2 cannot happen to us. If we can be devoted to God, then God cannot lift the curse in verse 2 because we are not able to do verse 1. And so in our strength, we can never be truly happy. So this is another dead end, we might say. But before you despair, look again at verse 1. Do you see the hope for our despair in verse 1? Do you see it? It is one name only. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. The name that I'm talking about is Lord. The original word for Lord there is Yahweh, isn't it? And as we've been reminding ourselves in some, throughout these Psalms, the, the word Yahweh is the covenant or family name of God, if you like, right? It is a family name for, of, of God for Israel. It's a name God gave to his chosen people, Israel. It's almost like a password whenever it's mentioned. Because it, whenever it's mentioned, it's reminding the people of Israel that, no, no, all of this is by grace. It reminds them that they are in a gracious relationship with God because God has chosen to covenant with them. He has condescended to them. He has established a covenant to them. And all the covenants in the scriptures, they are all underpinned by his grace. You see, there were people of God not because they ended. God, by his grace, fulfilled their covenant obligations, actually, to him on their behalf. And the good news is that God has come in Jesus to establish a new covenant of grace. And anyone who trusts in Jesus enters into this new covenant. We have new life with God. Jesus is God entering our world as a perfect human being in order to fulfill verse 1 for us. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in his ways. The Lord Jesus is the only person in all of history who has fulfilled verse 1. And after fulfilling verse 1, what did Jesus do? After living a perfect life of fearing God, what did he do? The Lord Jesus went to the cross where he suffered, bled and died in our place for our sins. Why did he do that? To purchase verse 2. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. The hands of Jesus literally on that cross were nailed to that cross so that through his hands we can be the fruit of his hands, we might say. He died on the cross to lift the curse of God's judgment that was off our backs. The curse of Genesis 3 on the cross was lifted. It pleased God, you see, to put on Christ all the curse of the law, all the curse of our disobedience, as Paul says in Galatians, so that we can be blessed 
we can live a true happy life in him. God punished his son who had no sin for our sin. It pleased the Lord Jesus to suffer the holy wrath of God in order to give us a true happy life in him. You see, the only way for us to be happy is through Jesus. That's what we're learning here. The only way for you in this life to be truly happy is through Jesus Christ. Only the true follower of Jesus is the truly happy person. There is no other way to be happy. There is no other way for you to satisfy your spiritual soul, as it were, than to repent of your sin and surrender to the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Only then can you start enjoying a new happy life. A life satisfied by God. But at this point, I want to pause and I want to emphasize something here. The key word there is surrender. Surrender. The true Christian is not everyone who attends church. The true Christian is not just somebody who follows along to go to church with their mom or dad. It is not everyone here who is a true Christian. No, to be a true Christian, your heart has to truly surrender to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And by that I mean is that when you surrender to Jesus, your life then begins to show real evidence of being changed by the Holy Spirit. If you are still who you are, always who you have been, you are not a true convert. Because you see, when you surrender your life to Jesus, God the Holy Spirit breathes new life into you. In fact, the only reason you surrender to Jesus is because God has breathed new life into you. He has caused you to be born again. You now have a new heart that has faith in Jesus. It's trusting in the death of Jesus for your sin. You, you have turned back on the world. You are now living for Jesus alone. You are devoted to Jesus now. Your life with Jesus is not a Sunday jacket you put on and take off. During the week. You put it on on a Sunday and take it off during the week. No, you truly live for him. And I just want to say, if this is your life, if you have truly repented, then you're a truly happy person. The world cannot offer you anything more. There's nothing for the world to offer you. All that the rich, the wisest, the firmest, the Bill Gates and the Bezos and the Zozos, you know, all of these people, what they're searching for, you have, you have it. It's elusive to them, but you've got it in Christ Jesus. You are truly happy. What do I mean you're truly happy? Do I mean that you have no doubts or fears? No. Do I mean you never feel anxious or suffer at some point in your life? No. Do I mean you never shed tears? No, as I said, even our Lord Jesus, our Prince of Peace, our joy without end, when he was in this fallen world, he shed tears. When I say you're truly happy, I mean that because you are born of God, because you are truly born again, there is a deep, as it were, a well 
a stream of peace and joy in your heart that never runs dry, even in times of suffering, because it is satisfied and filled by God himself. You know deep in your heart that no matter what life brings, God is with you. And he is keeping you. And you are being nourished by God the Holy Spirit. And you know that Jesus has given you true happiness in this world. That you long for and that you would never swap it for anything else. No matter what the world offers you, you would say no. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You are truly happy in Jesus. Does this describe you this morning? Have you received this true happiness in Jesus that I'm talking about? Have you surrendered your heart to him? Can you say, as you sit here this morning, I am devoted to Jesus. Jesus has my heart. And I have his. Can you say that this morning? I, I want to plead with all of us here this morning. That have courageously come here, braved COVID as it were. As you sit here this morning, social distance does it were. I want to plead with you to take a fresh look at your life. And I want to plead especially to the young people that I love very much sitting in front of me today, this morning. Please do not make the mistake many of us made at your age. Do not make the mistake I made at your age. Do not waste your life searching for happiness where it cannot be found. Do not think you lack happiness today because you don't have enough money. Do not think that happiness is going to be found by chasing the opposite sex. Do not look for happiness in indulging every human pleasure you can get. Do not even search for happiness in sports or learning. Do not think that when you become some superstar somewhere with a lot of fame, then you'll be happy. Look, it is good to use all the talents that God has given you. It is good to study hard at school. But do not be deluded to think happiness will be found there. And for the older people, I just say, do not think that happiness is found in better careers. Do not think that happiness is found in, in better relationships. Do not think that you find happiness in amassing more wealth for yourself. Accumulating things. And do not even think you'll find happiness by searching deep inside yourself. Do not listen to the world when it says true happiness is being true to yourself. Oh, beloved, that is a lie from hell. All the things of the world, even the good things, are not the source of true happiness. Real happiness, we are learning here, is found by being devoted to God through Jesus Christ. This is the naked truth, and it's the naked truth is that without Jesus, there is no happiness in this world. Only Jesus can give you the Holy Spirit to comfort you in every moment. 
You see, beloved, Jesus is the Son without which no human being can, can ever feel warm. Jesus is the light. Without Him, you will always remain in your darkness. Jesus is the bread of life. Without Him, you will always be starving for joy. Jesus is the living water. Without Him, you will always be thirsty. No matter what you have, if you don't have Jesus, you will never be truly fulfilled. There is no peace in this world without the Prince of Peace. So this morning, whether young or old, make sure you're truly trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sin now. Ask Jesus to make you truly born again. And if you truly surrender your life to Jesus this moment, you receive new happiness, a, a true life of happiness. A new life that is flourished by God himself. And that's my plea to you this morning. Do not wait. Do it now. Get right with God now. Surrender to him right now. Now some of us here are already trusting in Jesus, isn't it? You already know what I'm talking about. Well, how should we then respond to this truth that a true happy life is a life devoted to God in Jesus? Well, just quickly, two things. First of all, be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful that you have what the wisest, the richest, and the most powerful are endless searching for. You have true happiness, regardless of the situation you find yourself in this morning. We are happy in Jesus. Not because we are better or more deserving. We know we are nothing more than wretched sinners saved by the grace of God alone. We know that before His grace found us, we were enemies of God. Under the holy wrath of God, like the rest of mankind. We were lost in our sin. We hated God. And we loved hating Him. We had no knowledge of how to find true happiness. We blindly chased it in careers, and it was blank. We chased it in money, and we found it blank. We chased it in relationship, and it proved blank. We chased it in all kinds of human pleasures. Clubbing, dancing, doing all sorts of things that pleased us. And it all came up empty, didn't it? It came up empty. But God... God, who is so rich in his glorious grace, he reached out to us. By his Holy Spirit, he, he breathed new life in us. He opened our hearts in our lost estate. He made us see that we were nothing more than pigs scrappling in the mat, searching for happiness. He made us repent of our sin. He gave us faith to trust in Jesus. And we repented. And the Lord has saved us. And he's given us new life in him. A true happy life. And all of it is by grace. And so today, as you feel, if you feel burdened by life, I don't know what, what's going on in your life, perhaps 
There's some difficulties you are being challenged with and they are taking your attention and you feel burdened by that. Or perhaps you're on the other end. You are going through that season of your life where the Lord is blessing you. Amazing news. Think wonderful things are happening. And we thank God for that, don't we? But can we pause just all of us, whatever our situation, to ensure we don't let this truth distract us. We don't let anything else distract us from this truth. This is the key truth. It is that God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus, to die for your sin. And that he then sent God the Holy Spirit to breathe new life into you. To cause you to repent and trust in him. And through that, God has given you a true happy life. Whatever is going on in your life, and I know there's a lot going on as I look out here, look at you, different situation. Just pause this morning to thank God for this truth. And to ask that this truth will be the center of your life. Secondly, resolve, finally, resolve to grow in experiencing more in practice the true happiness that is already yours. Now, as I said, all true followers of Jesus have a happy life. That's just reality. That's a fact. By the Holy Spirit, you have a happy life. But the depth of the practical experience of our happiness will vary across Christians. And the reason it varies is that the practical experience of happiness depends on how we are growing in our personal devotion and holiness to God. And so, if you want to grow in the practical experience of the happiness that is already yours in Jesus, you need to grow in practical, heartfelt, and daily surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. As Robert Mary McShane says, our true happiness is in self-surrender, in giving up our, your heart and all to God. Anyone self-reliance in your life destroys your joy. And then he asks, are you no most happy in your life during those times when you're most close and intimate fellowship with God? Are you not? If you have been a true follower of Jesus, even for more than a few weeks, you know deep down Robert Mary McShane is right. Have you not felt deeply happy, much deeper happiness in your heart? In those moments when you have surrendered completely to the leading of God? Have you not felt most anxious in your life in those times when you have not spent as much time in close, intimate fellowship with the Lord Jesus? If you are a believer, you know these truths are true. A deep, practical experience of happiness is through intimate fellowship, growing fellowship with God and his people. So then, let us, this morning, make it our aim to be more devoted to Jesus today than we've ever been. Let us resolve this morning to know and feel his love ever so deeply. My friends, do not be content just to remain, to stand still in your walk with Jesus. That's actually going backwards. If you're not growing in deep devotion to Jesus, you're actually going backwards. Because the world is always dragging you back. You may think you're standing still, 
But you are actually going backwards. No one ever stands still spiritually. We are either going forward or we are going backwards. Because wickedness just abounds, 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 abounds more and more in the world. So if you're not moving forward like Christian in Pilgrim Progress, you're just being dragged backwards. Oh, beloved, resolve to grow this morning in reading your Bible more earnestly so that you can love our Lord Jesus better and that you can obey all that he commands you to obey. Commit yourself this morning to pray more so that you are spending more time being led by God than relying on your own strength. We need his power. Grow in thinking more about the holiness and majesty of God so that you can grow deeper in sensing the sinfulness and danger of giving in to sin. Commit yourself to study the wonder of the cross of Jesus, in fact, the person of Jesus, so that you can grow in rejoicing in his grace in whatever situation you're in. And if you're a man in the fellowship I believe, and you're able to go over Zoom, the men are doing that every three weeks, just looking at the person of Christ. Get involved in that, to know this Jesus. And of course, resolve to prize a physical gathering of the saints on Sunday. And if you are able to join us online, join us for our Sunday prayer meetings online and Bible studies. These are tools given by God as a gift to grow your devotion to Christ. So that you can grow in experiencing your happiness. Beloved, do not expect to grow in happiness whilst forsaking the means of grace. You will not find happiness by doing it your way like Jonah. No one can make themselves happy by building dens of self-reliance like the people of Israel in the days of Midian. No, true happiness is devotion to God. And it's utilizing the means of grace that he has made available to you. The gathered assembly of the saints. The Lord's table, the ordinance of baptism, prayer, reading of the words, and of course, corporate prayer and corporate study of the Word of God. These are the means to grow your happiness. To forsake them is to forsake your own happiness. The backsliding Christians has no right to complain when they are in a sad state. Because God has made available all the means for their happiness to grow it in Jesus. Well, may the Lord help each one of us to know and grow in true happiness that is available to us through our surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ.